This week on Pilot Co-Pilots, we have Harry Lloyd of Game of Thrones and discuss Stranger Things on Netflix with Andrew Farmer. Welcome to another episode of Pilot Co-Pilots, where each episode we talk to TV industry guests and take you on a guided tour through the pilot episode of one of this season's newest shows. That's right. We treat each new series like a presidential candidate. You gotta sift through a lot of bad ones to find potentially the worst one. Oh, topical. Oh, but that's not necessarily the case this episode. Not this episode. Yeah. Well, well, or, well, you'll have to listen. Yeah. Uh, so, Maya, I, I mean, I feel like we should probably mention that the Emmy nominations have come out. Yes, they have. Uh, I mean, any surprises or anything you want to talk about? Uh, well, um, I feel like we should probably dedicate a whole um, episode to that. Probably, you know, closer to the Emmys. Idea. I think we probably will. I, I mean, I'll mention Mr. Robot. Best new drama series nominee. That's a newcomer. All the rest are kind of, you know, yeah, pretty much same old, same old. Um, same with best comedy. I, I don't mean, think there's really doesn't any Veep news. always win? Yeah, I don't I'm, know. I don't know. I haven't watched in a couple of seasons, um, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, listen, I'm all for Kyle Chandler and Bloodline, of course. And Ben Mendelsohn is also uh nominated this year. Oh. He's always great. For sure. Um, and let's see. I think Laurie Anderson is nominated. Laurie, I wish, honestly. Laurie Anderson. Evan, let's just pause here. <laughs> I I would give, I would give anything for Laurie Anderson to be nominated for I was looking at Laurie Anderson, um, uh, Laurie Metcalf. It's, and it's really funny that Farmer is our guest this episode because he understands my love for Laurie Anderson and more specifically the song Strange Angels. Check it out if you've never heard it. <laughs> no, but Laurie Metcalf, excuse me, is nominated in three categories yes. three i think i think uh comedy uh, best supporting best comedy and i think a miniseries i'm not exactly sure on that but there's some really good stuff I, I, what I, why i had i said laurie anderson is because i really i haven't watched baskets yet but louie anderson is nominated as best uh feature supporting actor in a comedy series and i hear he's just great as the mother on that yeah, we did listen to a really good uh, Terry Gross interview with with him. Always, <laughs> it was fascinating. Always a good I would like to check out Baskets. I don't, there's a lot of stuff that I'm looking at right now when we're scanning through this list. And I'm saying, oh, I really, really should watch some of this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, well, the, oh, Unreal. Yeah, we got to check that out. People freaking love it. We and I ch- think we will. T- I know. Oh, I, I kind of know I will. Yeah. Love reality TV also. Don't talk about it much on the podcast, but. Well, we have you know. to. Yeah, we have yeah. to be strict with ourselves. So as we mentioned earlier this week, we do discuss Stranger Things, the new spooky sci-fi show on Netflix. Yeah, and then in the second half of the episode, we talked to ha- actor Harry Lloyd, best known as the deceased, I guess you'd call him the un- uncle of dragons? Yeah. On Game of Thrones? Yeah, right, right. And we talk about his current work and what he's been up to since he, you know, was covered in molten gold. So. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think this. I think I, we might get some listeners on this one. I, I, I feel dear like... God, I hope so. Is anyone listening? <laughs> Game of <Okay>. Thrones. <laughs> Let's get to the episode. Here we go. All right, we are here with Andrew Farmer. Hi, hey Andrew. Guys. Hello, hello, hello. Andrew is a New York-based uh, writer, a 
an actor and a comedian. And he... And one of our dearest friends. Oh, one of our dearest friends. But he watched um, Stranger Things uh, on Netflix and is going to discuss it with us today. So thanks for being here. Thank you. No, thank you. And I'm sorry that that was my best take. That truly, (laughs) me like interrupting and like not knowing like where to enter with my voice. That's the best we're going to get. Yeah. Things can only get better from here. We're loose, we're casual. And we're doing this, we're in Chicago, and Andrew is in New York, so it's a remote situation. I'm truly talking to a blank screen like an insane person. It's great Mm -hmm. because I can look as dirty as I truly am. Yeah, so. (laughs) All right, so I'll start off. I'm going to read the log line for Stranger Things, uh, and then we can kind of go from there, all right? Cool. Great. This is actually the log line from the YouTube that is the official Netflix trailer on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> a love letter to the supernatural classics of the 80s, Stranger Things is a story of a young boy who vanishes into thin air. As friends, family, and local police search for answers, they're drawn into an extraordinary mystery involving top secret government experiments, terrifying supernatural forces, and one very strange little girl. Yep. I would say that's pretty, pretty good. What do you think, Andrew? Like from reading that, I'm already completely on board. And the, and the fact that like, I'm, I'm a big Winona Ryder fan. I don't know why. I just am. I just love her. I just love her very much. Once I realized she was going to be playing, essentially kind of the plot of this first episode is that uh, one of like, there's these four kind of misfit young boys. They're probably 10 or 11, right? Yeah. And one of them goes missing. And once I realized Winona was going to play like a, a, a like manic mother searching for her child, I was like, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> once I heard her screaming his name, I was like, I've never heard a shrill kind of shriek from Winona. Yeah. But of course, this is her wheelhouse, right? Yeah. I just read an article uh, where she's being interviewed from the New- by the New York Times. And she's saying, I don't have kids. And so she said, so I talk to my mom every single day and I asked her if you had a kid where all signs point to him being dead would you still try and find signs in lights blinking and super and I guess the mom was like absolutely it's so sad I just got a little (laughs) little emotional but I mean she's the perfect it's the perfect role for her and it's the perfect kind of transition into this new kind of you know age that she's in and yeah i just love her so much well i feel like i haven't seen her for a while also i know it's like mr deeds was like the last thing I've oh seen. Well, or no, I, black, black swan, swan. yeah oh, black right. swan yeah. yeah briefly briefly yeah um, and i felt like i was so happy to see her in black swan and at the same time it it felt like her storyline was like a thing that was shoehorned in that had nothing to do with the rest of that story so I was like, give Winona something she can sink yeah. her teeth into, you know? Yeah. Or save Yeah, she kind of just Winona. sat there in the chair. <laughs> free Winona, honestly. <laughs> My God, free her. <laughs> Let her go at long last. Uh, I also, so uh, other, other characters in this cast, or uh, actors, we've got Matthew Modine, and he seems to play, so... There's kind of this laboratory, a scary laboratory in this town that's doing some sort of experiments. And we kind of open on flickering lights and a guy kind of running down the hall. Or you can tell he's like... Uh, being chased, being yeah. chased by something, um, and Matthew Modine later in the episode kind of 
heads up the task force to like recontain whatever has uh, burst out mm-hmm. from this laboratory. And I mean, I feel like they keep they keep saying this is like an ode to the eighties, which it totally is. Very nostalgic, like Spielbergian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nod. Yeah. Um, which I think is really great since <laughs> Matthew Modine is like someone I associate with the eighties and early nineties anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and then the other guy, well, and then there's the four kids who are just cute kids. I, I mean, I didn't recognize any of them. No. Um, and then the the sheriff in town is named David Harbor. Mm-hmm. Who's in the newsroom. I know. I mean, he's in a ton He's of in stuff. a ton. He's the kind of guy you know his face, but I couldn't think of anything specifically. Yeah, um, just the worst sheriff. Like, just like a terror. Like, it's as though, it's as though they like took a 13 year old jerk's brain and like <laughs> put it in a big man. You know? Which yeah. is kind of like a perfect small town sheriff. Yeah, that is what I mean. It's like they all knew him from when he was a kid. It seemed like it seemed like he and Winona Ryder had some sort of they History, grew up together yeah, or, or knew each other. He knew the ex her ex husband and right. What I really liked about it was that all these storylines. So you know, it's a small town, but it's like this kid goes missing, and obviously his friends. Uh, you know, that's their call to action yeah. to go f- help find him. But also it's the mother's story. It's the kid's story. It's the sheriff's story. And then there's a, a, like a couple other little plot lines. And I thought I thought they did a really good job of balancing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely. I mean, I, I felt like the setting up of all these different arcs that we're hopefully going to follow, uh, that was done super effectively. And I kind of like everybody. I think, yeah. I think yeah. like everyone, what I loved, well, first of all, the kid who has like no top teeth, oh, I think is oh. like, you know what, just He's give cute. him, like have him play Richard III. Like I'm fine with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I thought he was so good. I thought all those kids are all so fantastic and like weird looking. And yeah. Kind of, they really yeah. got misfits yeah. and look like misfits. Yeah. So. Everyone in the show is like a little weird looking, which I'm a huge fan of actually. Perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like it's, it's, it's once again, so evocative of the Corey Feldman. Yeah. Era totally. where, right. And I love a kid saying, I love a kid cussing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. And it's, it's so, it's not aggressively done. And I no. think that the whole thing isn't aggressively nostalgic. I mean, yeah, it is, but it's, it's not hitting you over the head with, 80s look here's this weird 80s thing that we don't have anymore look at it yeah it's not aggressive about it it's just sort of placed in in a perfect way where it's it's evocative but it's not it's not you know too much at the same like at the same time it's so i I, maya and i watched this together we haven't really talked about it together but we watched it together and uh you know like right at the beginning they're playing dungeons and dragons and the mom says you have to go home and the three kids get on their bikes and they're riding their bikes down the street at, in the evening all together. And they have their little lights on the front of their yeah. bikes. And I was like, I turned it by. I was like, I just almost started crying. <laughs> <laughs> it was so like, I remember doing like riding that, it, you know, that feeling of riding your bike in the neighborhood with your friends is like something that's so cool. And I don't do anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've been thinking about this a lot since watching it. And I, Immediately, like first ten minutes in, I was so on board. But I, I remembered Evan. Remember when we saw Super Eight like forever ago? 
That's so um, funny that you said this. Okay, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, so first of all, the situation in which we saw Super 8 was so weird, and I thought I had, like, died on my way to go to the movie theater because we were, like, in a fog storm, and mm-hmm. we got to the movie theater on a Friday night, and it was completely empty, and I was like, we died in a car crash in <laughs> our life. But um, It was, like, us six guys. <laughs> um, but the thing that I was realizing is, like, I was super on board with, with Super 8, and then it didn't deliver. You know, yeah. like it had all the ingredients for a thing that I would really enjoy, you know, evocative of, of like science fiction movies and Steven Spielberg type stuff. But at the same time, it felt like cloying, you know, yeah. it felt like it felt sort of like it was juggling tropes. And for some reason, this for some reason, Stranger Things avoids that or somehow. Um, and I, I feel like it might have to do with the fact that like, I don't know, there's something that feels decidedly small about it. There's yeah. less camera. There's less camera light flares or whatever. Right. You know. And it's like there's thus far there hasn't really been any like CGI nonsense. You know. Well, that's also what maybe it was a different article, but I had read right before this. It said you know they were working around a lot of budgetary restrictions, and yeah. it sort of forced it to be small and mm-hmm. to make it really really intimate. Yeah. It's funny that you said that about Super 8 is because even before I watched this, I was thinking, I bet this is what Super 8 wanted to be. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, yes, this is what probably J.J. Abrams is very, probably loves it. But he's probably a little jealous that they were able to capture it better yeah. than he was. And, and again, I mean? it's like, I think J.J. Abrams is great. I just I just think that like when you give something a, like a multi, multi-million dollar budget, it's hard to recreate the sort of like, homespun feeling of like an old Mm -hmm. sci-fi movie that you watch on like a Saturday afternoon, which Mm -hmm. this really does. Yeah. And so, okay. So the, the creators of this are, they're called the Duffer brothers. Uh, they're twin brothers, uh, Matt and Ross, and they are writers and directors. And so they wrote and directed this pilot. I think they write, wrote and directed the next episodes. Then they kind of have a writing staff as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Another, but they they direct most of the episodes. I think Sean Levy, who is an executive producer on this, also directs a couple episodes, and he's the guy that did uh, Night, Night at, at the, the museum, museum and the Internship, Cheaper by the Dozen. He's done a ton. No um, way! Which, that yeah, seems so like such a, a funny. Like I would never have guessed that. That's funny. Yeah. So that those are the three kind of who spearheaded this project, created it, whatever. Um, the Duffer Brothers kind of got their start doing shorts and kind of stuff like that. And they were writers on Wayward Pines. Mm-hmm. And then they also wrote the the movie Hidden, with, which is a horror movie with Alexander Skarsgård. So that's kind of their background. But it's so funny because... The, remember, Maya, the entire, uh, the entire idea of for this podcast, we were sitting there watching the pilot for Wayward Pines, and I was like, why aren't there any uh, podcasts about watching TV pilots, like <laughs> different ones every week. And it's kind of full circle now. Oh. You know? Yeah, Stranger Things. <laughs> Stranger Things and Wayward Pines. Um, well, I have to mention the scoring because it is so John Carpenter-esque and yeah. beautiful. And honestly, those opening credits, I could watch them over and over again. They were so beautiful. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Um. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, my so uh, my husband Chris is a composer for for film and and uh, Chris Ryan who who, who wrote our who wrote theme. our theme music. He did, he did. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, it's funny like listening to like now that I go to see movies or watch TV shows, I never really thought about the score as being like a, a such a crucial part of things. But since you know since I've known Chris, it really does. To me, it's like when something feels off about a movie or a TV show and I can't identify what it is, it almost always is the score. And mm-hmm. and this one, like, sinks in so perfectly to the whole rest of... Like, it, it, again, it doesn't... It's not bashing you over the head with, like, 80s nostalgia. It just, like, very organically fits, which I think is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it's so interesting that you say that because I'm not one that really notices music when when I, I watch something, obviously it affects me and it's there and mm-hmm. whatever, but I didn't even really notice it this time, but I guess that's because it's so beautifully done. Right. Though the, the other day I was at, I was uh, at this panel with Carlton Cuse and he was talking, you know, he was the create one of the executive producers and stuff for lost. Or, or, and he was talking about his show, the strain. And uh-huh. when they made the pilot FX said, you have to, you have to cut some of the music just because we, as a network, FX doesn't believe in emotionally leading the audience. We want the we want the audience to get there at the same time huh. as the show, and, and we don't want that that background music to lead them emotionally. And it's just something I've been thinking about lately. And and then also we recently watched um, the Night of on HBO, and that has almost no music whatsoever. But really, it gives a different es- or it gives a different sense to the whole thing because it's like kind of drawn out and a little bit the air feels the, heavier yeah the air feels heavy when there's no music which is what it's supposed to do in that show it's just mm-hmm. and, and yeah they keep saying that this is like you know you know an ode to john carpenter as far as music goes spielberg and i think they just did a great job and it and you know what it goes to show that you can appeal to that nostalgic feeling without just remaking something right that's you know exactly I mean? yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's very well put Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think like um, I I really love uh, like a like a scary TV series, and it's something that yeah. so rarely nails it. You know, like uh, Netflix had that other series, Hemlock Grove, which I was like, oh, it's a TV series about werewolves, and I was like, great, I'm totally on board. And <laughs> and it just like I don't know, it it just felt too. It felt like it was borrowing from too many elements without uh-huh. turning into something completely new. Um, and I, I, for some reason, like TV has a hard time with, with like eerie, spooky horror series, you know? Well, it's interesting. Cause I don't know how you feel, Maya. Like I don't necessarily know what to expect actually going forward with stranger things. Like I just know that the pilot was really well done and I like all these characters and something creepy is going on, but I don't know what kind of creepy story it's going to be. Mm-hmm. What kind of supernatural thing is happening? Which is exciting, I suppose. It's you know, it's not like a zombie thing, a werewolf thing. Which right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that first ten minutes, like that, that like cold open of what that series is, is so incredibly strong. You know? Oh yeah. Um, it's like such a great. Like it, it, it really is this. And I don't know what the policy is about like me talking about like spoilers in this episode. Oh, that's fine. Okay, yeah. great. Um, but I, I think for me, what I what I love is that there are all these like clues that are put forward as to like what this is a story about. And I'm assuming it's an alien cause it's like a long armed thing that like mm-hmm. controls electricity. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I think what I what I appreciate about it is like it sort of subverts tropes of what I'm expecting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. like even like even that that like one of the opening shots of you just watching that hallway, like waiting for the thing to come running along. Um, it shouldn't be terribly surprising that like it, it's on the ceiling, but for some reason that like really got me. <laughs> um, and I think, I think, I think that is accomplished through like such specificity, you know, yeah. uh, which I feel like it's doing. And also we, I, speaking for myself, I care what happens to these children. I know. Oh I am God. so invested in them. And I, and I also goes, you know, to the director's credit. It's, it's not easy to direct kids. And these kids are, they're obviously talented kids. Yeah, they, they scoured for these perfect kids, but you know, I can tell that these directors are just really working well with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're really still There is, there is one scene casting overall for great. sure. There is one scene at the near the end might be one of the last scenes with Winona and um, the guy who plays her son. His name is Charlie Heaton. Okay, this kid I think is going to be big. Oh, do you mean the the, the s- older brother, not the, the one that son. D- disappeared? Yeah, the older son. yeah. And they're looking through pictures, trying to figure out what picture they're going to put on his missing their his brother's missing sign. Uh huh. And it ends with it ends with a phone call, and it is one of. Like the scariest, I know, upsetting, tragic scenes I've ever seen, and I swear that kid is gonna. I am calling it now that he's gonna be. <laughs> oh yeah, right. I am. Cool. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call it. Yeah, Charlie Heaton. Charlie Heaton. Wherever you are, we've got our eye on you. You got a believer in me. <laughs> we'll make sure to tweet the episode at at him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for sure. And and There's and the kid with the kid the. Uh, well, the main kid, Lucas, I think is great, even though we only see him for a bit. The kid that disappears. The kid that disappears, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Will, Will, Bi- Will Byers, I think. Will Byers, yeah. He's, yeah. He, was, he was so great. The other thing, this is just like a little like nerdy writer thing that I just always love and appreciate, is if in like the first five minutes of a pilot, like there are just several things that like give us a glimpse into like who this person is. And I think that that part right before, right before Lucas is about to like ride away on his bike and he like tells the truth to his other friend about like what the dice roll was, even though the other friends were like, well, he doesn't have to know. It's like such a nice little like specific connection you have to the character to be like, oh, this is what we're in for. You know, it's kind of like a good like save the cat moment of just realizing like, oh, this is why I like this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought he was great. Yeah. The whole cast. Well, we have to talk about the little girl. So there's also yeah, yeah, yeah. there's also in in the plot of this there's like uh, this little girl who is kind of a silent, uh, doe-eyed little girl that maybe has escaped from the laboratory. It right. seems we can call and her that, like ominous Matilda because that's yeah. sort of what she's <laughs> that's sort of what she's playing with now. Yeah, and Matthew Modine is after her. And that's like kind of a separate plot line, but obviously somehow going to be connected. But she's, I, I really liked her too. And yeah. But she like happens upon a diner and it, it becomes like yeah. close with the cook there yeah. or whatever. She's like a little Natalie Portman from. Um, oh, you're that? right. The, you're just saying that because the... she has shaved head. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 with the French guy. The hitman, with the yeah. French guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I can't remember the name of that movie. Yeah. But you know, I love a, I love a little girl who's also a killer. Yeah. Um, I also just feel like I need to talk about Matthew Modine's hair, which I guess I always <laughs> want to talk. I always want to talk about Matthew Modine's hair, but I feel like it's really, it's like, 
it's only made him more powerful. It's like Samson. Yeah. It's only gotten bigger and like more shocking. And, and this is kind of unrelated, but one of my favorite things, you know, is that Jiminy Glick, whenever he interviews people and he talks oh, about his my sons, God. Yeah. he's always like, my four sons, Michael, Morgan, Matthew, and Modine. <laughs> named after Matthew Modine. And, and then I'm like, oh, I was thinking about that while I was watching. I was like, oh, Jiminy Glick's hair may be inspired kind of by Matthew Modine's hair. Oh. That's Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't so know. Much makes sense. We should run a separate podcast just called Matthew Modine's Hair. <laughs> And we just go, <laughs> we just go Matthew Modine credit by Matthew Modine credit and talk about his hair. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm, um, he's, he's, I, I'm guessing he'll be like a major player coming up, like that sort of, I mean, you don't get Matthew Modine for like, you know, uh, yeah. a bit part. Um, yeah. So I'll be interested, because he doesn't have like many lines, right? They go into like the lab after the creature ex- escapes and there's like a weird like electric nest Right? Is yeah, it, some sort of maybe it's gooey, maybe it's electric. It right. Maybe gooey. both. It's making growling roaring noises, which yeah. implies that there are more long armed creatures. Um but yeah, I I I feel like I I don't know, I wonder I always get this is gonna sound terrible. I always get Matthew Modine and Peter Coyote mixed up. You know, um, Peter Coyote was like the the good slash bad guy in E.T. He's like the oh. scientist who comes in. And I think it's just that they have like very prominent profiles and like strong mm-hmm. ears that I kind of uh, conflate the two. But strong it, ears. Yeah, strong ears. I'm like my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> he's got strong ears and a nice big nose. Um, no, but he's also an Eric Roberts. He is also an Eric Roberts. They all live in the same world. The three of them are sort of a trinity of like <laughs> suspicious men of power, you know? Tall, tall haired white men. They're, yeah, they're, they're hair based actors. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're the sort of person like your aunt falls in love with <laughs> at, like, at like a resort, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's a compliment, by the way. Right, right. Oh, for sure. I to to Matthew, Eric, and Peter. You know what? Well, I know. Saint Saint Peter's Saint Eric, <laughs> the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity. As I was watching this too, I was like, I, I guess I was also thinking about Super Eight, but I was like, oh, this could be just the beginning of a really good movie too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it didn't necessarily feel like episodic television. It, it was made so beautifully and cinematically and i was like they could probably wrap this they, i could give this another hour and they could go through a whole you know arc and whatever and i'd oh, be for happy sure. yeah you know? but i definitely i mean and this is we always kind of sit, ask the question will you watch more um guys it took every fiber of my being not Me to watch too. the next episode Maya was like, uh, can we watch the next one? I'm like, no, we have to record first. And then I I even text you, Andrew. I said, did you really only watch one? I know. And I tr- I truly had to stop myself. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. It, know. it was, it's, it's a really, I can see myself watching the rest of this, like over the next 24 hours. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that, um, that's the great thing about sure. Netflix. Highly is, recommend. I know. I know. I also just like little things that I picked out that made me laugh or that I was like, oh, this is great. One is that like the picture that Winona Ryder's character and her son like pick 
as like it's this one like this one for the poster <laughs> is is like the clearest like production <laughs> shot i've ever seen in my life like it's truly just like a square on image of him smiling against like a wood wall it's a passport photo. <laughs> I know it is. It's like it's, it's not even a school photo. It doesn't have, <laughs> it's a square. He got it done at Dwayne Reed. It's like yeah. of course you're gonna pick that. You oh, must pick that one actually. How didn't you find the other qualified? I know. Like several of those pictures are just like of like the corner of a house and some birds. <laughs> You know, and then to be like, it's this one. It's like right. That's the only picture of him of age where you can see like that's of him. Yeah, um, exactly. That made me laugh. Uh, uh, something that something that I observed was, you know, Hopper, who's this, you know, the the sheriff, walks into the 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 station, and and they're like, ah, oh, they're kind of like busting his balls for being late, and then he he does he says one of those, oh, oh I don't know, I'll ask your wife later when I see oh, her yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And both Evan and I laughed, and then we looked <laughs> at each other, and we thought, why are those jokes always funny? <laughs> At least to me, they are. I will always laugh. Yeah, at Yeah, just stupid... implying that you, he was he was sleeping with the other guy's wife, and so it works funny. with moms too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think my favorite way of interpreting it is always like completely non sexually. <laughs> like it just implies that like there's a friendship that so and so has with, <laughs> with someone's wife or mother. Like yeah, I'll ask your mom about that because we bake together on Tuesdays. <laughs> She's teaching me how to like varnish a porch. You know, it's almost more hurtful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just yeah. like you don't know the first thing about your mom's social life, you know? <laughs> like, oh, she's one of my dearest friends. <laughs> so bitch. Um yeah, that was that I yeah, his character I'm interested in. Also because he like he like lies about his daughter. He's like, yeah. My daughter lives with my wife. And then oh. that random lady comes out of nowhere and is like his daughter's actually dead. And then, like, walks off. That was very yeah. sad. Yeah. That yeah. made me sad. It did. It did. Also, that lady booked it. Yeah. She did. No one can <laughs> say she did. didn't book it. No. Those are my favorite characters. Me um, too. The one-liners. I think the one thing, the one character I didn't really care about was the, and I, and not to say I don't care about her, but I'm going to need to see more, is that sister. Sure. Yeah, she's given kind of an unfair task. I know it's Wait, really not sister. A oh, uh, yeah, the sister. Exactly. Uh, the yeah. sister of not the sister of the missing kid. The sister of kind of the there's right. not a sister of the yeah, missing yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, right. There? No, it's just the brother of the missing kid. This is the one who like has a boyfriend who comes in and they're like doing flashcards. You're an idiot, Steve Harrington. <laughs> which is like, which what? is like, did you steal that line from Picnic? <laughs> Like, is that, that's, like, the most William Inge yeah, thing I've ever heard. Ingenuity. No, but um, she says it two times. She does? Two times. Oh, once in the bathroom and once on her bed. Is that yeah. her catchphrase? I hope it is for the season. <laughs> I hope it happens two times every episode. And the last one is, like, Steve, like, gets hit. Like, a, like the alien throws, like, a car and, he, and he's dying. And she rushes to his side. And he's like, take your top off. And she's like, you're an idiot, Steve. <laughs> and they like, just play the theme song from Babysitter's Club. Yeah. <laughs> she's got a very Babysitter's Club look. She is such a Marianne. Yeah. Well, also, that plot line is the most Babysitter's Club. She doesn't really have anything that's not like... yet. It's just, right now for her, it's about the boy. And it's not very interesting yet. But right. we'll see. It, I think it will be. It also, like, yeah. it implies that, like, four years ago, she was kind of fun. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, also... 
also that kid, the kid with no top teeth uh, that has the lisp. Yeah. He's like in love with her. Oh, I know. I like that. that was cute. I do like that. Yeah, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about that kid. I think he's so, so yeah. good. Well, I mean, I guess it goes to say we all, we're all obviously going to watch some more. Um, I wish we could do it together. I know. Aww. Well, maybe. <laughs> no, there, there's no, there's no solution. No, um, actually. I, okay, wait. I, I'm pulling up an article that I read. It's called, that I read the other day. Oh. Uh, is from March 28, 2016. It says Netflix party lets long distance friends watch together. And oh I don't know God. how it works. Are you serious? But it's a Chrome extension that you, and you can sync up your um your Netflix viewing across time and space. Oh um wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. Google it people cuz I okay. haven't really looked into it, but we'll, we'll maybe we can do that for the I'd love the if you were episode. just making this up. <laughs> like just to make us all feel better. Um, do you think there'll be a season two of this? Like, is, go, is like this a full new cast? I yeah. don't know. I actually haven't even uh, looked into that. That's usually something I, I I look up and stuff. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, either that. Although we don't, I, I it's hard to say because I don't know how it will wrap itself up or what their right. plans well, are. I could see it being sort of like um, you know, every season's a different story. Kind of oh, uh, yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I just think it's great. I'm, I, yeah. I, I feel like my my critical voice is being uh, put at risk because I'm just raving about this whole thing. I think it's so good. That's okay. You know yeah. what? We like to like things. I'm glad I we know. do like things I'm glad we, occasionally. I'm glad we did this <laughs> It one. feels yeah. so good to rave about a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this with oh, us. Oh, man, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, do you have anything you want to plug before we uh, um, wrap up here? Sure. So I'm, I'm, I do a lot of things. Uh, and right now I, I'm in a, a, a sketch and improv group called Gentleman Party that has a lot of your guests on it. Um, yes. <laughs> Mike Spence and Anna Dresden. Um, right. And I guess because, I don't know, it's getting towards late summer. We're heading towards a sort of spooky season, and this is a spooky show. And I run a Tumblr called Your Daily Scare, which is a collection of, like, short ghosts or, like, scary stories that I write in an hour or less um, based on, like, people's fears that they've sent me. So that's, like, a little thing. Uh, Yeah, and that's about it, I think. Well, and that's kind of... We were going to watch something else with you, and and then Maya was like, wait... Stranger Things is spooky. Let's let's have Andrew talk about that with us because I'm we know so that glad you did. I'm so glad you did. You're our spookiest friend. <laughs> Thank you Among so much. I'm in, a, I'm in a full white sheet, like just holding <laughs> holding a lantern aloft. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you guys. I love thanks. this podcast and I love both of you. Oh, we love uh, you too. Thanks, right. Andrew. Thanks. All right. Um, so we are here with Harry Lloyd. Uh, he's probably best known as that dece- the deceased asshole brother, uh, Viserys. <laughs> I, oh, I can never say it the same way. Viserys, Viserys right? Yeah. Targaryen yeah. on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Will Scarlet on BBC's Robin Hood in America, critically acclaimed Manhattan, and most recently on ITV's Marcella, which will be out on Netflix July 1st, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's so. Uh, yeah. um, I've also had the delight of seeing his pilot Supreme Tweeter here at Series Fest this year. 
And yeah, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Not to um, First Brit to be on the show. I yeah, think, yeah, so. it's true. What an honor. Um, <laughs> what an honor. So do you want to just start uh, a little bit with your background? What got you into acting, where that bug started, and kind of your career tra- trajectory from there? Sure. Um, I think I think it came from reading originally. I think it was always kind of word-based. My parents both work in publishing, and I was quite a bookish Mm-hmm. little kid and I remember my first part I got in a school play was just because I knew kind of how to read out loud on a very yeah. basic level and just kind of because it could always hear you just kind of develop the muscle when you read stuff you can hear it and picture it and you sure. get good at translating stuff from a page into a world and I just spent the next 20 years working on how to get express that and uh, yeah. use your body and your voice to kind of uh, I play with it. That's so funny because I feel like most people, it's like, I got on stage that first time and a spark hit. But, you know, I've never really heard that response to that question, which is like the actual page was the, yeah, the, it's, the it's, place it's, where it's, it starts. It's like being a writer, but you, you're just the next part of the sequence. Yeah. I still see it as part of the same kind of process and the choices that you can make. And I just really enjoy playing. My favorite thing and why I enjoyed something like Game of Thrones so much is when someone builds you fantastic world it's like this playground and you set the parameters and you know where you can go and where you can't go and then within that you're really free and the way they made that I was blown away because they had this enormous budget but were also really sensitive and even all the small characters there were no kind of two-dimensional spear carriers everyone's got a purpose purpose Mm -hmm. and a beginning and an end in conflict and it was I just loved that kind of atmosphere that we're all on the same kind of page well i think that's also part of the great thing about game of thrones is like i feel like as an audience member i can trust that they know what's going to happen with these characters you know what i mean and that's so important for as an audience member to watch to watch anything really so you also do a lot of work on the london stage correct do stage work and um i was thinking about this the other day and i was like i feel like so many british actors go between doing TV and uh, doing stage work. And I was like, I was, I was like, why is that? And do you think it's being in London where TV production is the same place as you can be on the stage? As opposed to like, I think in New York, New York is theater, a little film and TV. But in Hollywood, mm. you know, they're so far apart. Do yeah. you think that really lends itself to British actors doing more? Or do you think it's the training? I think, I think it's probably very different for each person, the reason to do each. I don't, for me, it's not so much about geography and more that each is the kind of the antidote for the other. If I've sure. been doing a film, I you really miss rehearsal. I miss being part of, just being able to tell the story rather than being someone where you just polish your ingredient and throw it in every day. Mm-hmm. And then if you've been doing a play and you've been at home for kind of six months and you get perhaps tired of the repetition, you want to break out and do something else. So I find they're really good... Um, yeah, they balance each other out yeah, really well. And if you're lucky enough, and I always wanted to be able to do both, so I tried to early on spread myself a bit thinner to try and learn how to do radio stuff and learn how to do TV and film and all the different kind of things you can do. And there are so many more platforms now. Even yeah, you know, I'd love, love to do a video game or all these kind of different things you can do. And I'm making this pilot here at Series Fest was a similar thing, just because you always want to be able to have options because you're not really in charge which avenue is going to suddenly lead to the next job necessarily right. yeah. so i try to yeah. stay uh, 
get, make myself as employable as possible. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about the pilot? Uh, Evan has seen it. Yeah. I have yet to see it, but hopefully I'll get to see it this afternoon. Uh, this is a pilot called Supreme Tweeter, where I um, play uh, a familiar guy called Harry Lloyd, uh, <laughs> who um, is persuaded uh, to... Uh, go on social media to try and up his profile because he's not getting the roles that he wants and he gets uh, uh, followed online. He becomes the only person in the world to be followed by uh, the leader of North Korea. <laughs> and it becomes this kind of whole allegory about celebrity and, and social media and that it goes completely to Harry's head and he becomes a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a funny little... Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And, and like, it's so funny because I think putting... Uh, Twitter or an online, I guess, entity on the screen and make it feel alive is really weird. But you guys did a great job, and the graphic design, you know, just like mm-hmm. integrating Twitter into the into the show was really really cool. And seemed like, I mean, how did that come about, or or who? Yeah, we well we got this. I mean, we had one of our had a few people basically helping us out with it. Uh, Umit Kabayash was the animator who did brilliant things moving the graphics around, who designed a lot of them himself, as well as uh, Jordan Lloyd, who was um, our designer. So, I mean, between a bunch of us, we didn't realize we needed so many graphics, and we mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> screwed ourselves a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it made the edit a nightmare. But, uh, but oh, you're right, because really otherwise yeah. it's very undramatic watching someone scroll through their phone even though their whole life might be changing. Right, right, right. But at the same time, without a budget where you can see what worldwide, how you, how you suggest worldwide fame when you haven't got any money mm-hmm. and you don't want to just see someone else. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we had to kind of find funky ways to kind of play with it. It's so fun. And actually, it just we're coming from the awards brunch mm. at Series Fest and uh, Virgin produced, picked eight pilots to play on their airplanes and in their hotels worldwide and Supreme Tweeter, Tweeter was one of them. So yeah, I'm, congratulations. I'm, I'm surprised. It's yeah, lovely. so really people shocked. will be able to see it that way. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know how long they show it for or, or when. Um, uh, you know what? Because I, uh, I did the Q&A for after the screening the, yeah. of the comedy block that you got, you were in in Series Fest and someone asked a question and kind of made a comment about it being a really good... Um, balance between British and American humor. And I think that was, you know, I, it's funny because I don't know if I necessarily can uh, vocalize exactly the difference between British and American humor, but people talk about it all the time. Mm. So I don't know. Can you maybe... Well, it comes about the fact that the co-creator, Jane Hong, I mean, and it was her kind of premise originally. Um, so she, I think, had a really good idea of, of where the comedy was in it and how the fine line of where to be funny, but also not to because it, it, you know you got to be kind of careful with certain kind of sensitive uh, subjects. So I thought she she was she's brilliant <laughs> like about knowing where the line is and when you can cross it and when not to. I thought she was, a, yeah. was kind of the queen of that. The British humour on the whole comes from um, people failing <laughs> <laughs> and and being a bit rubbish and and being kind of awkward and clumsy. Um, uh, that's not all British humor, but that's something that we mm-hmm. specialize in for sure. <laughs> what are you? What are your kind of plans with it moving forward? Well, we um, have we, you shot more? Or? We haven't. No, okay. we've talked a long time about how to progress this story, 
I mean, how, where to take the kind of character next. And the more that we kind of got feedback from it, and we're still really interested in just hearing genuinely what kind of people think and what people are responding to, um, we came up with a kind of a series Bible of this as, an, as the first episode of an anthology of other kind of similar 20, 30 minute um, standalone stories of a similar kind of theme mm-hmm. um, about the strangeness of technology in modern day and celebrity and social media and politics. and But some we thought we found quite a, an interesting kind of voice that mm-hmm. we were trying to do something that wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of it about. And um, to, to kind of, yeah, to tell all these other small kind of allegories, as it were, in, that kind of, in, in like the vein that. of kind of yeah, Black yeah. Mirror, mm-hmm. rather than exhaust this story, which I thought just now when it reaches crescendo, we didn't want to kind of kill that and drag it out and make it some... I don't think that I'm really charismatic enough to hold a show where I play myself. Oh, I would get very... <laughs> I'd be yeah, like, heady. I'd, I can I'd, imagine I'd that would get heady. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, yeah. I've done, I don't think I'll be yeah, playing myself too much. But, but I really enjoyed doing this, I have to say. Yeah, and there there are some really great cameos. Maisie Williams yeah. from Game of Thrones and George R. R. Martin, yeah. which was truly like my... It was that moment. It was just so funny. <laughs> it was so great. Um I mean, can we talk a little bit about Game of Thrones? I mean, uh, my first question is, how many golden shower jokes have you heard in your day? That's a, not many. I don't, oh, I don't know what it's I... It's the best opportunity. Yeah. I mean, every, <laughs> I don't think people know what the joke is. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, but they, it's nice that there is definitely, I think whatever else I do, there is, I have my, literally my crowning moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which exactly. Is, which I'm very proud of. And I kind of, I think the moment when I, heard about the audition and I didn't have time to read the book I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this uh, part and I just read this pilot script and I thought this is phenomenal and I went on Wikipedia and I said who is this character and it says oh he does this he does this and about halfway through the first book he dies when someone pours gold over his head it's like, amazing that's the best sweet. way to go really I'd, I mean. I'd like to play that yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I mean it's so funny because that's such an how many episodes was that character? Uh, he died in six. Six. Episode six so right? six, six episodes. I mean, which is a fair amount, but uh, it's such an it's iconic. So it's such a memorable character and such an iconic character in the book that really, like, you know, Game of Thrones is known for these kind of dramatic endings <laughs> yeah. of characters' lives, and that was really kind of the first one. One well, of the after first that, ones. everyone started dying. Yeah, I think yeah. That set the tone is that realized yeah. no one is safe, and it suddenly <laughs> made you, yeah. Yeah, and sort of your the, the I mean, the joke of Supreme Tweeter pilot is that after that, yeah. you, you weren't working, which obviously isn't isn't the case. But how would you say like having that role, you know, helped your career or move forward, or or or, or what has it done? Yeah. Other than maybe you know put you on such a worldwide stage of... Because Game of Thrones is like the biggest, right? I mean, right, so, yeah. yeah. I to be honest, it's always funny. You never really know why you get a job. What it is, maybe it was because you did a great audition or maybe it's because you look like the person who's playing your brother or because the producer's a big Game of Thrones fan. Mm. Or, so yeah. I don't know exactly how to quantify its effect. But I, I like the fact that the thing in brackets after my name is a show that I'm really proud of. Yeah, I think often yeah. the thing that is the big thing that you get known for is often the thing that you slightly roll your eyes at. And you're like, yeah, thank you. But no, I'm, I love Game of Thrones. And maybe that has and... to do with, you know, it being based in being literature first. Uh, nice yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, 
Let's see what. I, oh, so yeah, and maybe you, can you talk a little bit? I don't know much about Marcella. This right. show, it's a BBC show. ITV. ITV. Sorry. Yeah. So it's this show, a, a new series, and we're just waiting to hear if it's uh, going again. Um, by uh, created, co-created by Hans Rosenfeld, who's the guy, the Swedish guy who created the bridge. Okay. Um, and it kind of applied a similar kind of structure, but to a British kind of. Kind of noir thrillers. Noir, yeah, yeah. Anna Friel is the main part. Who is yeah. this uh, uh, detective? She was on Pushing Daisies. Most Pushing Daisies like is that. probably her like yeah. biggest American. Well, and other films, but that um, is a really popular but, cult classic here. So, but it's got this. It's got this huge cast spread all over kind of London, and everyone you meet, you're not entirely sure how they fit into this dastardly serial killer plot, and everyone is kind of a suspect or a witness or a victim. And it's a it's a different kind of structure for British uh, TV, and it went, it did really well. People really kind of went with it, and it was something just completely different. So we shot that, and that went out on ITV and finished recently, and oh, they got okay. a great deal. So it's going to be on Netflix worldwide from early July, and that's eight episodes. I think net. I mean, Netflix is such a great place for us Americans to get a lot of foreign TV. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned Black Mirror earlier, and so we're getting like a lot of UK shows, and it's great, and just. Kind of out of curiosity, what is what's hitting in the UK that's coming from here? Like, is it? What well, the are great some... thing is, is that there's so much of it. Yeah. In that you can kind of find your own. Yeah. And that's there's always true. stuff that yeah. if it's not you pick on, I never got. I haven't seen the why. Yeah. Oh, you know, there's there's, yeah. there's everything. Still, we're we're in the box set culture. Yeah. And on like Sky TV, our main kind of cable provider, you can buy kind of box sets and everyone is trying to work out new ways of packaging stuff so you can get it down here because there is just so much kind of content yeah. which is wonderful. I think it makes it sometimes it's dangerous because it means if you don't like the first episode, you like there's so much else on, you don't give right. anything a chance right. and the great thing That's about true. TV is that these, often these wonderful slow burners like mm-hmm. books and it takes you a little while mm-hmm. to get into it but there, no, there's, as ever, there's a huge amount of American yeah. kind of content and Swedish content and French TV yeah. and there's stuff all over. It's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about the you know Netflix just made that series Marseille, yeah, in French, which is awesome. Like for the French audience specific, well, yeah. or, or whoever you know, subtitle yeah. too. So anyone yeah. can watch it. But um, I think that's really cool too. So uh, yeah, and on Virgin mm-hmm. Produce now we can see Supreme Tweeter. Is there anywhere else right now that we can see it? No, we, no, it had to exist here for us to get oh, in here. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, 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 and it's so much fun, and I really, I really, really enjoyed it. So, and thanks so much for doing no, this. No, thank you so much yeah. for having me. Yeah, well, we, uh, we got to play our game. Oh, we have to play our game. I, oh, I great. forgot. Yeah. Uh, so this is called Crash Pilots. Okay, and um, so yes, we will read you three log lines of pilots. One is a real failed television pilot. The other two we've written. So, so I want to, which, which is the real one? Which is yeah. the real one. Okay. So, okay. Right. Why don't you start, Maya? Okay. This one's called The Secret Life of Desmond Pfeiffer. This show focused on a servant to Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln. Pfeiffer was the only intelligent character in the entire show. The Lincolns were portrayed as sex-crazed, bumbling idiots. It first aired October 5th, 1998 on UPN and was canceled 11 days later. And that was called The Secret Life of Desmond Pfeiffer. <laughs> Uh, the second one's called Voice of Reason. Main, uh, main character Bailey Carr is the voice behind the audiobook version of America's steamiest romance novel. This workplace comedy navigates the oddball community of audiobook narrators and the even more neurotic authors that they often deal with. This was another brainchild of NBC coming off the success of The American in the Office, but was never picked up to series. 
And that's a voice of reason. Okay. And the last one is called In the Weeds. Mother of three, Jenny Savari, wants to spice up her life. One night while having a drink at a restaurant bar, she hears about a major investment opportunity. On a whim, she's suddenly whisked into the crazy world of opening a fine dining eatery. Jane Krakowski starred on the short-lived dramedy for stars. That's in the weeds. They all sound totally plausible. (laughs) Uh, I would say the real one is the second one, Voice of Reason. It was actually, shockingly, The Secret Life Life of of Desmond Desmond Pfeiffer about the servant of Abraham. I'm honestly, like, every time we do this, I'm shocked at how crazy uh, shows uh, that I can find. How did that get? I have to look this up. I just found this one today, but I have to look that up. (laughs) It's terrible. I mean, I... And great. (laughs) I bet it seems like only two, maybe two aired, but I got to find those. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a shame. All right. Well, thanks so again Thank for so much, much for being yeah. with thanks, us. Mark. And yeah, keep an eye out for Marcella and yeah. S- Supreme Tweeter. So. Thanks very much, you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Another one busted us. <laughs> and there's another story from Lake Wobegon. Ugh, I hate that so much. I literally only watched the first half of the movie they made, made about I it because I, I turn it off every time. You and know what? It's how do they so... end the episode? I, I'm assuming it's something like it's that. I've never listened to the whole like thing. That. Anyway, anyway, I just want to say story from Lake Wobegon. Okay, yes. Okay. I I want to make a correction. Um. Well, I mean, just something I omitted. I I didn't remember the name of the probably the most the poster that was on everyone's college dorm room is The Professional. Obviously, guys, oh, I know this. Oh, that's the movie you were talking about? Yes. See, I don't Duh. even know because I don't even know what that movie's about. Don't sell yourself short. I I, I don't no, watch movies, he, he guys. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I want to say before we go that I'm really wondering, and I kind of hope that Harry gets to come back on Game of Thrones. As a White Walker? As a White Walker. Because we don't know what happened to his body. Do no, we? No, I don't think I mean, do. it would be, but though I think it would look really cool because I think it would be a white walker, but covered in gold, like, on its head. I mean, spoiler alert. Well, maybe I shouldn't do a spoiler alert. Oh, and I also want to know, you know, we recorded- Well, he would be battling for the throne for- Oh. Is that a spoiler? Well, yeah, that's a spoiler. <laughs> Everyone's seen it. No. <laughs> Just let's keep that in and then you just bleep it. Uh, <laughs> great. We'll keep it in and I'll bleep it. Uh, and <laughs> no, I'm exhausted. Uh, anyway, uh, but I do want to know because you know what? We recorded that interview with Harry the morning of the finale. God, I wish we'd done it the next morning or something because I would have loved to hear his thoughts. Anyway, that is all I've got to say today. Um, you can find <laughs> all of our social media links and information on pilotcopilots.com yep subscribe tell people yeah and whoever you can find me on instagram at van watts v-a-n-w-a-t-z and, and that's on twitter as well yep and i'm at maya Boutreau. and guys why don't you email us too that'd be so fun yeah we want to hear your thoughts even if it's just about some tiny little comment we made on the episode we'll respond pilotcopilots.com at gmail.com or tweet that's you know tweeting at us is maybe easier if you don't want to send an email or yeah. write on our facebook wall we want to engage we you know? do so maybe even aggressively <laughs> great yeah <laughs> we want to ostracize our audience <laughs> well we do love cyberbullying. <laughs> pilot copilots is produced by evan watkins and maya boudreau with music by chris ryan oh, thanks again for listening Ooh.